1: Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.
0: Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mader. And
2: welcome back to the MD Fantasy Football Show. We are back finally after a long hiatus since the NFL Draft Week was the last time this podcast put on an episode. And there is so much that has happened that I need to share with you all. I am so excited, not just because that I'm finally back recording an episode to talk with you all, not just because we're going to be talking about coaching changes, the fantasy impact part one in today's episode. We'll be going over the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Cardinals, and the Cincinnati Bengals in all of today's one episode alone with those teams and their coaching changes. But we're also going to be talking about what I have been doing in the hiatus of the This show has been off. I have not been vacationing. I have not been sitting back on the couch drinking a beer. Well, maybe a few times through the night. But mostly what I have been doing is working on this podcast and for this podcast to make it bigger and better for you all, more accessible, more funding for more research, for more informative, for more entertainment, and all that has come in the form of the MD's Fantasy Football Show now becoming a part of what is the Land Sports Network merging with Overtime Heroics to create one great sports media place for all fans involved. Look, it's a fantastic thing. I'm so happy that the MD's Fantasy Football Show is now a part of this sports media platform that has really been taking off over the last few months. It's all very new, all awesome. Look, we have Overtime Heroics. If you don't know, if you go to OvertimeHeroics.com, they have a great sports fan forum for every sport out there in the world for fans to come together and talk about their favorite sports with one another. It's a great place to vent. It's a great place to do research. It's a great place just to have fun and to talk to people who have similar interests, similar diehard interests that you have when it comes to your sports teams and all of the sports that you love. And now with the merger with the Lance Sports Network, which the show was a part of just before it merged into the Overtime Heroics, They will now be starting the content aspect of the OvertimeHeroics.com website. So that means all the land sports fantastic writers, uh, podcast producers such as this show and many other shows that tackle a wide variety of sports out there from wrestling to football, to basketball, to soccer, to hockey, you name it. We all have it all. This show and many others are all coming together and will be contributing to the content that will now be added on to the forum aspects of the Overtime Heroics.com. Now, as for this show specifically, we still have our own website that you can go and visit. Member www.mdffshow.com. You can go back there. I still have all of the research from last season, all the numbers you can go back and look when you're doing your off-season research leading into this year. I still have the free agent tracker, the draft tracker, all the NFL draft players You want to go back and look at what their scouting combine results were as you get into your IDP drafts, or you look at defenses of who improved and just want to refresh and get your idea. All that is on the website. Now, I know the last time I talked to you guys, I was not going to do a podcast until the end of this month, rather than the, you know, we're getting out of the beginning towards the middle now. And the reason why I'm doing it earlier is, one, to talk about the new exciting stuff the MD's Fantasy Football Show now being a part of the Overtime Heroics and Landsports Network family uh, for you to listen and hopefully become more popular and be able to do more as a result to make the show better for you. But... Also, because it's a little bit of a bittersweet situation where I'm running a little bit, a little bit behind on when I was hoping to have the first downloadable draft kit out to you guys, a little bit behind on the projections, not a lot. But instead of the end of June, my target date is now the middle of July. Here's what I can promise you unequivocally, without a doubt, is I will definitely have the first downloadable draft kit out to you from this show before the beginning of August, before the full draft season kicks into gear. I will have it out to you. Right now, I am targeting for mid-July. I am pretty confident that it will be done by then. But I am working along on these projections. It's just myself. I don't have a team of interns. or researchers to go with. So I'm getting through it. I am making sure I'm being as thorough and as accurate as I possibly can be so I can give you the best information, the best projections, the rankings, the tier rankings that I'm working on, and also providing you copies of the NFL schedule as well so you know what bye weeks everybody is on and you can take a look at that as well. Also, what the depth charts are, what the projected depth charts are going to be because we're not going to get the official ones until probably after the first week's of preseason of course we'll have cuts going after that as well so they'll be updated as such as well as will the complete draft kit for the MD's fantasy football show I'm going to be updating it throughout the summer so when I come out with the first one the projections the rankings they will probably not be the same as they will be towards the end of August I'll be updating it as we go but my plan is that I'm going to have all that information on for you on my direct website www.mdffshow.com and I'm going to have it so you can just look at it through the website or you can download it onto your device that maybe you take with you to your drafts or if you like to do like me where I still like to go old school and I like to have a paper in front of me when I am drafting, you can print it out and put it in a PDF file for you guys. So all of that is coming soon, but that's why I wanted to do this podcast a little bit earlier to announce the big exciting news of the MD's Fantasy Football Show, joining the big time guys over Overtime Heroics and Land Sports Network, but also to let you know that the downloadable draft kit will be out a couple of weeks later in case you were waiting for that to come out. Sooner Now, most of the drafts won't happen until the beginning of August, so I don't think uh, it'll be a big deal, but it'll definitely be ready for your drafts come August and on for sure. So you can have the best information possible to get the best team that you could possibly have to try to win your draft so you are set up to on your way to become a fantasy football champion. I know it's a longer intro than usual, but all that information is out to you. Very excited. So happy to be here. So happy to be talking to you guys. And now we can get into the actual part of the podcast that you've all been waiting for, the Coaching Change mini series that I all promised you I would do starting in June. Like I said, today is the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact Part 1, Vikings, Bengals, Cardinals, Dolphins. We're getting in all those teams today right after this. The MD's fantasy football show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics, Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. All right, so to get this show on the road and get this kicked off, the first team that we are going to be talking about for the coaching change is
1: Cincinnati Bengals.
2: That's right. If you have been living under a rock, the Cincinnati Bengals finally moved on from Marvin Lewis and have changed up their coaching staff and have gotten an offensive-minded head coach in the name of Zach Taylor coming over from the Los Angeles Rams, coming over from that Sean McVay Tree. He was an assistant coach also with the Miami Dolphins back in 2016. And then he went down to college for the University of Cincinnati before coming back up to be the assistant coordinator again there for the Rams under Sean McVay a season ago. He's going to be bringing that same system over to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, what does that mean as far as the fantasy impact for those players? What are the possibilities that they could have? Well, to me, it's all positive. First of all, having an offensive-minded head coach finally for the first time in nearly two decades of Marvin Lewis, you're going to have any Dalton who may actually become a streaming option type of quarterback in the 2019 because of the simple fact that he fits this system that Zach Taylor is bringing in perfectly. It's All you have to do is a zone read, throw it, read three levels of the defense when you're trying to throw the football, and they have the wide receivers who fit all of the roles perfectly. Starting off with A.J. Green. Now, A.J. Green, I think a lot of people are trying to equate him to playing the Brandon Cooks role, and that would be a completely wrong assumption, a completely false assumption. A.J. Green will be the number one target of the offense, but he will be playing more in the vein of the Robert Woods role. A little bit of a mix of going into the slot, going back out to the outside, working the intermediate part of the field with still running deep on play action, and because you're not going to take away completely what A.J. Green does best, which is still stretch the field even at his age, at the age of 30, even with some of the nagging injuries he has had because he is such a long strider, he can still get deep with the best of them, and plus being Six foot four, of course. We know what AJ Green is, but that is the role we can expect him to play, which is a good thing because if he's playing in the Robert Woods role, there's a good chance with Andy Dalton being the quarterback that, that will be consistently open with what they will try to do, what they will try to be, and it fits perfectly with everyone else. Tyler Boyd is a perfect Cooper Cup type to be working from the slot, a bigger type of slot receiver, not just a gadget option. A guy that you're going to have there. He's going to run those shorter routes to, to, to the sticks at about 10 yards for first downs. And then perfectly for John Ross. John Ross, look, I've never been a big fan of John Ross. He was in his podcast before. I've never thought he was really that talented. I never thought he was anything more than a one-trick pony. But if he gets to come in and play the Brandon Cooks type of role, which means jet sweeps, bubble screens, and just concerned about running deep and going to the deepest part of the field for that first level down the field, taking the safety out of the box, he can do that he fits that role perfectly that is what his skill set is now I don't think John Ross is going to go off and have a huge fantasy impact from a redraft league, but if you're in best ball leagues, John Ross might be an interesting one to take later on in your best ball drafts because he's going to have a couple of games where he's going to have opportunities to have big weeks. It won't be consistent, but it will be big weeks involved because he's going to get open within that scheme and with most of the attention going towards A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd in the shorter end of the field, in that shorter passing range. That is mostly where it's going Going to go. The other thing about this offense and this system that fits perfectly, and what I'm excited for, is Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon comes in. If there was a, if there was one guy in the NFL right now which was the closest thing to a Todd Gurley without it actually being Todd Gurley, it would be Joe Mixon. Okay, He can come in, he can run, he can catch the ball, he is a true workhorse back, a true featured guy, and he's coming into his third year, which means he has a very good opportunity for this to be a breakout season. One thing that goes a long way with as while I'm still not a big fan of the offensive line in general, I still don't think they have an uber amount of talent, but they are definitely vastly improved from a season ago, and I do think they will fit well in a zone scheme, run blocking scheme, zone pass blocking scheme, which is what the McVay offense. Is what Zach Taylor is going to be bringing with him to the Cincinnati Bengals. So, all the pieces, they have all the pieces that fit so well. So, the Cincinnati Bengals offense really could have a huge upswing with the coaching changes, could have a huge fantasy impact. And I would go as far as to say there may, may not be a coaching change that has a more positive fantasy impact on an offensive team than Zach Taylor will have for the Cincinnati Bengals. On the defensive side of the ball, look, if you're IDP, you play everybody who's in a redraft usually has a defense that they'll draft. Not that you were thinking about drafting the Bengals defense anyway. There'd be more of a stream option if you were ever going to consider them, but I still don't love it. All right, they're going back, they're going to be playing. More of a three-four-four-three hybrid. I kind of call it the Seattle defense, where it's like they try to call it a three-four, but it's really a four-three. They just use different types of defensive line personnel in different spots than you would traditionally use. Where traditionally you would have, you know, the bigger guy in the middle, two pass rushers on the edge. Here they kind of it kind of flip-flops. You have your pass rusher, then you have a big, you have a bigger defensive tackle, then you have a penetrating defensive tackle, and then you have a bigger defensive end on the other side to kind of help out with the run kind of deal. And they kind of call it 3-4 because that defensive end could be a linebacker, defensive end, hybrid, depending on what you want to do. But really, at the end of the day, it's gonna be run like a 4-3. And with this team, the way it is built with their defensive line as it is now, it's going to probably be more of a 4-3 type of front. Lou Anarumo is going to be the defensive coordinator. He has not had a defensive coordinator duty since he was the interim defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins back in 2015 for the final 12 games of that season when they finished 25th in total defense. Now, in his defense, that Miami defense did not have a ton of talent. Having said that, I don't believe the Cincinnati Bengals defense has a lot of talent either. So as far as the coaching change goes on the defensive side of the ball, I wouldn't expect the Bengals defense to really take an upswing in any kind of way. If anything, they will be status quo or possibly even worse because the players on that defense are are that core or aging out as it is and no scheme will be able to to help that part of it. But going hand-in-hand hand with the offense, if the defense is still going to be allowed to give up a lot of points, it's going to put more pressure on the offense to score, more pressure on the offense to get down the field quickly, to throw the ball more, which could just mean more Fantasy points available to you for guys like AJ Green if he can stay healthy, for John Ross, Tyler Boyd, for Joe Mixon alike. And Andy Dalton might be a legitimate week in, week out streaming option. I don't know there's going to be too many weeks other than when he has great matchups that he's ever going to be in the top 12. But in. Start a journey, not a fad.
1: Join now and
2: you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. In this offense, I think he's somebody who, if you're streaming quarterbacks throughout the season, you're going to be able to pick him up in certain matchups, play him, and be able to compete with the very best at the top. That is the Cincinnati Bengals. So very excited, looking forward for them. So those are all definitely valuable factors to take into consideration with the changes coming to the Cincinnati Bengals offense when you are doing your pre-draft research on where you think these guys' potential could wind up being. Now we're going to take a quick break for a live read. On the other side, we're going to get to the coaching change that has been the most talked about this summer and probably will continue to be in the Arizona Cardinals after this live read. Do you wish there was a simple, dedicated website for fantasy football information that has projections, rankings, records, and more? Well, say no more. The MD Fantasy Football website has everything I just mentioned, plus extra pieces of information like a free agent tracker, scouting combine results, and the upcoming NFL draft order. Just go to www.mdffshow.com. And now for the the Arizona Cardinals. Coach Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray and Coach Kingsbury. This has probably been one of the most talked about stories this entire summer. If you've been following football at all, you've been following fantasy football at all. Exactly what is their impact going to be? Exactly what is the ceiling set for Murray? What can they do with a plethora of young wide receivers surrounded by Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson being once again the go-to weapons? on that offense. What will that do? Will Air Raid work in the NFL? Will it not? Will it be a success? Will it be a failure? I mean it's pretty much been talked about at nauseum, which is why I wanted to put this coaching change in the first episode so we can go through it here, get it done, get it over with, because you guys are gonna hear a lot about this duo heading into this season and where exactly you should be drafting them. Look, when it comes to a rookie quarterback, when it comes to a rookie head coach with an offensive system that has been incredibly hit or miss throughout the NFL's history, I would caution caution you on the side of being conservative rather than overly optimistic if you're thinking about drafting Kyler Murray in a redraft league and probably your plan if you're doing that is that you're going to stream quarterbacks if need be. Yes, he is going to run. He's going to have to run because that Arizona Cardinals offensive line did not improve in any capacity. Now, yes, you can make the argument that if their offensive line was to actually stay healthy, that they have some decent players on there. The problem is, is that's been the exact same story for the past 3 years now, and that has not changed. And what happens? They lose two starters in training camp and another one or two in the first half of the season, then they a whole offensive line goes to hell in the handbasket and there's nothing they can do. Look, last year it was it was a mixture. of It wasn't just the offensive line. It was terrible coaching. It was terrible play. It was terrible everything. So no matter what Kingsbury does the, the silver lining is that no matter what he does coming in it will have to be an offensive production improvement because it simply cannot get any worse than what it was a season ago. Even if you're just more aggressive in your play calling it would still open more things up than what they were able to do a season ago so in that sense the team that offense is going to have some improvements our production is which I think does open the door for David Johnson who was still a very very solid RB2 throughout the season now did he get labeled as a bust because a lot of people took him you know somewhere probably in the top five or at the very least took him in the first round and he was more of a second or third round type of running back at the end of the day yeah in some senses he didn't perform up to what you were hoping for But he wasn't a total flop in a sense. He didn't lose you your league. He didn't make your team not a championship team if that's what wanted to be in the case. David Johnson was not to blame if you didn't win the championship and you took him in the first round because he was still a high-end RB2 throughout the season, even in a terrible situation on an offense that was not producing. So now enter Kingsbury into the picture. What is he going to do? Well, everyone says, well, air raid system, he's going to throw the ball more. Okay, that's fine. First of all, David Johnson is a very good running back out of the shotgun, which is predominantly what they're going to be in in the Kingsbury system first and foremost. Kyler Murray, who is a running quarterback, running quarterbacks always have a positive effect on running backs. It usually, historically, will give them almost an entire yard Extra average per carry for running backs historically. They're going to run read options. Those things are going to be there. Kyler Murray, outside of throwing the ball to Larry Fitzgerald, his next target that he's going to probably be the most comfortable with is going to probably be his safety net throughout the season is throwing the ball to David Johnson on screens, angle routes, swing routes, out of the backfield. We know David Johnson can line up all over the field, and he's going to need to because. These are young wide receivers surrounding Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. Look, I like the explosiveness of Andy Isabella. I like the prospects of a Hakeem Butler down the road, especially as a red zone target and a bigger wide receiver. Christian Kirk's a guy who can stretch the field. Deshaun Johnson is a good route runner. I like all of these guys, what their practice could be for the future, but as far as this season is concerned, these are rookie wide receivers at the end of the day. Historically, rookie wide receivers do not give you a ton as far as fantasy production, offensive production right away. It's just not how it works. It's more of a learning curve that you have to go through as a wide receiver in order to get up to what your potential is going to be. It's not like a running back where a running back could hit his prime year one. It's very, it's much more difficult for a wide receiver to be able to do so. Now, being that they're going to be in a pass-friendly system, and if you had any, any, any reservation of how exactly how aggressive Cliff uh, King, sorry, Cliff Kingsbury was going to be, uh, just look no further than the fact that he hired Tom Clemens on to be his offensive coordinator to be his NFL, you know, experienced guy coming on. This is a guy who back in 2004-2005 with the Buffalo Bills when Ryan Fitzpatrick was first taking the league by storm, throwing the ball down the field. He was the offensive coordinator for them. He was the offensive coordinator for the Packers from 2012 to 2014. He was the associate head coach and offense. He wasn't calling the plays as much 2015 and 2016 for the Packers. So he's used to throwing the ball down the field a ton all the time. They brought him on. They are definitely going. Now he's going to probably introduce some elements of the West Coast to go with the air raid to try to help them out. Be a little more NFL eyes. I guess you can if you want to make a word out of that, more normalized, more pro-ready, I guess you could say in some senses. But they are definitely going to be a pass-first team with David Johnson being put in position to try to get one-on-ones. How effective that will be, it will remain to be seen. The The thing about the Kingsbury system going into this year is there's a lot that's unknown, especially about how effective it will be, how consistent it will be, depending on matchup. Will they be get smacked? But there's a couple of things that I think we do know. We do know that they are going to try to run a up-tempo offense. That's what we do know. So that means extra plays at the end of the day, if nothing else, for everyone involved to get more touches. What we also know is that that defense on the Arizona Cardinals is going to be bad, especially in the secondary. Look, first of all, the higher advance Joseph, which is... Good in the sense that they brought in a guy who's going to take them back to being a 3-4 because it was an abomination to be making the Arizona Cardinals a 4-3 defense in the first place a year ago. However, with no Patrick Peterson for the first six weeks now he's on suspension and Vance Joseph not being an aggressive play caller by nature... I worry that if Chandler Jones is not able to get pressure on the quarterback that they will not be aggressive enough behind him with guys like Buda Baker blitzing, with guys like Hassan Reddick blitzing, and we'll get toasted as a result because while I like Byron Murphy as much as the next guy is a rookie corner, he's still a rookie corner. You still, It's still Alfred on the other side. So these are guys that are going to get burnt deep. Buda Baker's good. That's fine. Swearinger is a guy who plays better when he's up near the line of scrimmage. That defense is going to give up a lot of points, especially, especially the first six weeks before Patrick Peterson gets back. And if they're playing an up tempo offense on top of it, on top of it, if they're not putting up points, if they're not scoring right away, it could get ugly fast where they're playing from behind early and often. Which for fantasy purposes is perfectly fine because if you take an up-tempo aggressive offense that's playing from behind early and often in games, it's usually gonna spell well for good garbage time points, if nothing else, for the guys that you have on your fantasy teams for those rosters. Now, looking at this past David Johnson, who I think will be a very I think he will be back to his RB1 status. I think he's simply just going to have the opportunity to do so between being able to run the ball and catch the ball in that offense. He will be allowed to do so. He's still gonna be. The workhorse guy, Chase Edmonds, is not... I don't think Chase Edmonds is going to steal as many goal line touches as he did towards the second half of the season like he was a year ago. Uh, I, and I think it will be David Johnson's style with Chase Edmonds spelling him every so often. So I'm not worried about Edmonds cutting into his workload either. On the receivers aspect of it, I talked about the rookie wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald, I expect to take a little bit of a bounce back up. Now look, let's not get crazy. At the end of the day, Larry Fitzgerald is still really no more than a wide receiver 3 flex play. And in standard leagues, maybe a lower end flex play wide receiver 4 type. Because while he was the quote-unquote top red zone target for the Arizona Cardinals, and probably given those receivers outside of Hakeem Butler, and maybe seeing they get some improvement production out of the tight end position, Larry Fitzgerald was still probably going to be the main red zone guy, but it was still with 6 touchdowns on the entire year, and he led the team. Like I said, it was awful last season, but he hasn't had double touchdowns in a long time. So in standard leagues, I think it's kind of hard because I think he's put in a position where I don't know if he can get quite... 1,000 yards. He's going to be running short inter, short routes to intermediate distance. He's going to be working from the slot. That's what he's going to do. Now he's going to be a dependable target. So Now if you're talking about PPR leagues, now I'm interested because I do think there's a legitimate chance that Larry Fitzgerald in this offense with a rookie quarterback who's going to probably target him heavy due to the fact that he's going to be the one guy out there he's going to probably trust the most to try to move the chains when he's not running and taking off himself is going to be Larry Fitzgerald. I do think he's going to have an opportunity to catch 80 to 90 balls. I think the targets will be there, given the youth and inexperience at the wide receiver position, and Kyler Murray needing somebody he can trust to get the ball to. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Rookie quarterbacks tend to lock on to the number one read. The number one read is still going to be Larry Fitzgerald. So like I said, for standard leagues, I don't know how many- I don't think he gets to 1,000 yards, so I think 800 to 900 yards is reasonable. I think five touchdowns is probably a reasonable expectation for him. And, of course, I'll have more of those numbers out to you when I'm actually done the projections, and we'll be able I'll be able to tell you for sure exactly what I'm expecting out of him. But I wouldn't expect too much more out of that. But 80 to 90 balls in a full-point PPR would put him very squarely in the wide receiver three position flex territory, and I do think he has a very good opportunity to get back to that. So that, so the coaching change for Larry Fitzgerald, I think, could be a very, very positive to help him give him one more productive year before we'll see if he finally decides to hang it up and retire. Arizona Cardinals defense might be one of the worst this year. When Patrick Peterson comes back, we'll see. He hit, Patrick Peterson can do a lot for a defense. They might have some streaming availability for certain matchups, but... Especially in the get-go, that Cardinals defense I expect to not be very good, especially when uh, going against the pass on teams, and really even the run at the end of the day. Because Vance, what was Vance Joseph's Achilles heel in Denver? Had a lot of talent, couldn't stop the run. Arizona Cardinals are constituted in a pretty similar way in the sense they don't. Corey Peters is in the middle. Other than that, they don't have bigger linebackers. Swearinger is going to have to play a little bit further back, I think, in order to help out the corners, the young corners, and Alford, who's not as quick as he used to be, and help them out back there a little bit. So he might not be able to come up in the box quite as much as he used to. you got guys like Hassan Reddick. you got guys like Jordan Hicks. I keep hearing good things about how they're playing well together. They're still smaller linebacker guys. So I do think they're also going to be a team that's going to be Consistently gashed, especially from decent running teams as well. So I just think bad things for that defense, which could spell more opportunity for the offense to be more aggressive, especially under an air raid system where they're going to look to be aggressive and pass first all the time. Anyway, so that'll be my synopsis for Arizona Cardinals. Overall, I do think it it'll be good in the sense it has to be an improvement. But it does remain to be seen how consistent, how effective it'll be in maybe closer matchups uh, throughout the year, and maybe teams that they should actually beat. What are they going to do when they're leading? And happens then? Are they going to try to get conservative? They're going to try to get cute. So I think these are all questions that deserve to be asked. But like I said, we do know for sure up-tempo offense will get more opportunities. Will be pass first, and we'll be running RPOs which does help out guys like Murray, David Johnson, and Larry Fitzgerald. All right, we're going to do another live read here on the other side. Coming out of the live read, we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins, another hot topic throughout this offseason. Spree- go, go, go. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity x If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Spreaker is the preferred podcast app of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It has an extensive library and an easy-to-use app. Plus, for each listen, Spreaker will pay the show a percentage of the ad fees. All of that money gets put directly back into the show to enhance your entertainment and informational needs. Plus, it's a great free app for you, the listener, so it's a win-win for all.
0: The Miami Dolphins.
2: If I were a Miami Dolphins fan, I would be screaming in the streets, the moron is gone. The moron is gone. The moron is gone. Of course, I am referring to Adam Gase. If you listened to this podcast at all a year ago, you know exactly how I felt about Adam Gase. If you did not listen to this podcast over a year ago, A, you should check out the mdffshow.com for any updated episodes that I have so you can get caught up, but also B, you should know that I constantly, consistently,
0: always...
2: always, always ridiculed Adam Gase to the fullest for not playing his most talented starters. Full frittata is an Adam Gase. That is what he is. How do you not, how do you not start guys like Devontae Parker? How do you not... Give the ball to Kenyon Drake, who's by far your most talented offensive weapon on that team. How can you be that stupid? How can you be that moronic? And furthermore, we are not going to get to the Jets yet in this podcast, and I cannot wait until we do. So I can now rip them and all the stupid things that he's brought with him already, and we haven't even kicked off this season. So automatically... The Miami Dolphins could have brought in Hobo, Joe Schmo, off the street, and he would still, still put them in a better position going into this season from a fantasy perspective than Adam Gase could ever have done for them a season ago. So that is the exciting part as far as Miami Dolphins go. Now, a lot of people are not excited about the Dolphins. I mean, too somewhat is, you know, backed up somewhat is valid in some concerns and some of it is i think people are really overlooking them really overlooking the core talent they truly do have Devontae Parker didn't get less talented. He's always has talent, and he's flashed when given the opportunity to do so. The problem is he's had dickhead Adam Gase, who held a grudge on like any other head coach that I've ever seen, and barely played the guy over the past couple of seasons. When he was out there, when Adam Gase was finally forced to play Devontae Parker due to injuries, he didn't have any other healthy wide receivers. What did Parker do against the Tennessee Titans? Oh, he goes for over 100 yards and scores touchdowns. That is what he does. He is that talented. He fits that role very well. So he has talent. Kenny Stills is the perfect complement wide receiver to Devontae Parker on the other side. He has the speed to be able to stretch the field. You can move him on the inside to try to have him stretch the seam from there, or you can just keep him on the outside and keep the safety away from Devontae Parker. He's a perfect complement to have there as well. And Kenyon Drake is a very talented running back. Very talented. Great pass catcher, playmaker back. He's not always going to be that guy who's going to consistently get you three to four yards always when you need it in between the tackles, but he's a guy if you give him the ball 15 to say 18 touches, whether it's through carries, whether it's through receiving, he's going to get you big gains throughout and he's going to get you big weeks where he's going to have, where he's going to bust 75 yarders. We even saw it on the little amount of touches that he was able to gather under Adam Gase who kept giving the ball to Frank Gore for God knows what reason at this point. Well, I'll never understand but even when he, on those few touches that he was able to have, he had big explosive weeks and still finished still finished in the top 25 four of running backs in fantasy football and PPR scoring, even though, even though he was barely able to touch the ball because of the dynamic playmaking talent that he has. So now we go in a situation where he should be the starter. Kalen Balaj. I know a lot of people like him. It's hard not to light his athleticism with his size and his build, but the guy is just, he's not a running back yet. He still needs to develop. He doesn't know the nuances. He can't, read between, he can't run between the tackles consistently because he does, just simply does not have the vision to be able to do so to be consistently effective. He's an athlete. If the hole that you called for him to hit in the first place is open, he can hit it with authority. He can make something happen in that sense. But if there's any improvisation whatsoever, or if he's asked to catch the ball, forget about it. His game is just not there at that this moment. So Kenyon Drake coming in, I think, will get the opportunity under the new offensive coordinator coming over from the Patriots. Now, it's pretty much an all-Patriots staff coming here to Miami Dolphins. You have Mike O'Shea, who's going to be the offensive coordinator. I'm sorry, Mike O'Shea. Chad O'Shea, who's going to be the offensive coordinator, has not been an offensive coordinator yet in the past, but has been the Patriots wide receivers coach for the past nine seasons. Done a pretty good job, has a pretty good track record to show in those nine seasons of being able to develop guys, especially from the slot, as you will know. But I do think, as a wide receivers coach, coming in to be the offensive corner for the Miami Dolphins is the perfect route to go because you need guys like Devontae Parker to get developed, which is why I think they signed him to a two year deal. I think they looked at him and said, We know you're talented. We're going to use you as such. Don't you worry. We're bringing in a guy who's been a wide receivers coach, so he's going to be partial to that aspect of the offense, if nothing else. And I think that helps him in a lot of ways. Look, Albert Wilson's status right now is that he's supposed to be back for week one. He should be the slot receiver. Jakeem Grant, we're still waiting to see where he's going to be. We'll get a better idea, I think, when we get closer to the training camp. But regardless, the focus is going to be you got to get Devonte Parker and Kenny steals the ball, and I think you're set up to do that. And I think they're going to surprise some people. Uh, I think O'Shea brings with him. He's going to bring you know a Josh a form of a Josh McDaniel system. He's as as the wide receivers coach for the past nine years for the Patriots, he's had a couple different coordinators. But he started with Joshua Daniels. He wound up finishing with Josh Daniels. I have to assume he's going to bring that mix-and-match type of offense together. Look, it's not just a spread that they're running up there anymore. We all know the Patriots. They game plan from week to week. I expect the Dolphins to be somewhat similar uh, in that respect from O'Shea's play-calling standpoint. Who are you playing this week? I'll line up. They have a decent offensive line that I think also gets overlooked, led by Laramie Tunsell. It's not a terrible offensive line there. They can line up, they play a team that they think they could power run the football against... They can be able to do that with a playmaker like Kenyon Drake. They're not going to be predictable on offense because Kenyon Drake is also going to be the main pass catcher back. You're not going to bring Kalen Balaj in for that, so you don't know what they're going to do. It's not going to be role specific like it was, uh, like it is really for the New England Patriots as well. Now, it still seems to work for them, but for most teams, when you see a guy like a James White or for the Eagles for a while there with Darren Sproles, when you see a guy like that, you know what the play call is going to be. You don't have that issue with Kenyon Drake. So that's so I think it's going to be very vital for the offense to not be predictable under O'Shea because of that reason as well. I, If you can't tell, I do think these moves were really good for the Miami Dolphins. Now, of course, at head coach, the main change is Brian Flores, and that's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to bring his Patriot 3-4 style, but I will say, and I will go on record now, Brian Flores in year one will already be a Head coach that is is light years better than, than Matt Patricia over in Detroit. I'm telling you right now, he's got the temper. He's got more of a temperament for it. I think he had more to show for his accomplishments as a defense coordinator for the Patriots, as far as that defense actually playing well under him when he coached and was calling the plays. Unlike unlike Matt Patricia, where I don't think that defense played particularly well. I do think there was a lot of games where they left a lot on the field to be desired because of his play calling, because of his style. Brian Flores, I think, was a much better coach, a much more effective coach, and showed that he could develop much better. Now, of course, this is all under Bill Belichick, and there's a long track record of New England coaches coming in to be head coaches and not going well, but Flores is one of those guys where I think he's going to be a very good figurehead, a very good developmental guy for a younger team. Uh, So I think defensively, I think the Dolphins will improve, but I think overall, the culture for that team will improve, which will help. Will help both the offense and defense side. And plus, he brought a lot of his guys uh, with him as well. Jim Caldwell's going to be there. He's going to be the assistant coach. He's not going to be calling plays, which is probably the best thing that you could possibly have going for. I'm not a big fan of Jim Caldwell. If you're just having him be there as an assistant coach, as a first time head coach, I could understand because. A, you're never going to have a power struggle with Jim Caldwell. He's going to know his role. He's going to stay in his lane. He's just going to be a guy who you can ask a few questions to lean on his experience when your own is lacking. That's all he's going to be there for. It's not going to be Jim Caldwell's offense. He's not going to be the one calling plays. So that's the most important thing to take away from the Miami Dolphins. I know the big news right now is talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, so far, supposedly Ryan Fitzpatrick has been play outplaying Josh Rosen uh, through many camps, but really I would kind of expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to look better than Josh Rosen in practice at this point one he's a veteran who's been around for forever. Josh Rose is going into his second year a whole different new team, organization, a whole new coaching system. Ryan Sitar has pretty much seen it all and been around and has been in this situation his entire career where he goes in the camps, mini camps, training camp knowing that he's going to be battling to try to win the starting job, he already has that mindset. He already knows what it takes. He's been doing this role for forever. So I would expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to look better than Josh Rosen in practice. However, when we get to the actual game situations, if Fitz Magic is not being Fitz Magic, it's Fitz Tragic. All right, if it's not magic, it's tragic. We all know this. We've seen it before. We've seen it a million times. He'll throw a million picks. Josh Rosen will come in. Look, I think if the Dolphins are smart. You're in a situation where you have some young pieces. You need to see what you have. There's absolutely no reason in my mind to start Ryan Fitzpatrick at all. Period. None. There's No reason Josh Rosen shouldn't be starting week one. You have to, if nothing else, you have to at least see what you have. You already know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's a German quarterback, a German stopgap guy who's going to go from team to team. He's going to have opportunities to compete for a starting job here and there, depending on what team he goes to. But at the end of the day, he is on the last legs of his career. He's a journeyman quarterback who really should be ending it as a backup. You already know what he is. Josh Rosen, who you just traded for, gave up a second-round pick for. You need to see, can this guy become the future? Can he become your franchise? I don't think sitting him for the first few weeks is going to be a good thing for his confidence, which will go a long way in his development. So I'm curious to see how this coaching staff is going to come in and handle that aspect of this. However, having said all that, what does this mean fantasy impact-wise? Well, I kind of go on with the wide receivers. I kind of go on with the Kenny and Drake. What is it going to mean for the quarterbacks? I don't whether whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, People are going to be if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick starting week one. People are going to be tempted because they're going to be like, oh, it's going to be Fitz Magic and the power of the beard and blah 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 blah. Look, look, just I would whether it's Josh Rosen or Ryan Fitzpatrick, I would avoid it until I see it. Because you're really, with those, there's no way to predict those guys. There's really not. There's no way to know how effective they're going to be, how efficient they're going to be in the new offensive system. What I do know is Devontae Parker is going to be targeted like a number one wide receiver. So I like his chances no matter who the quarterback is. Whether it's Fitzpatrick, whether it's Josh Rosen, he's going to be the number one read, he's going to be the number one target. And because of where he's going in drafts right now, he's, he's borderline free. Borderline not even being drafted in some instances, but borderline free in the fact that he's—he's he's, his ADP is right there in that fourteenth round. If you're a ten-team league, he's right there in a fifteenth round. Uh, uh, if you're—I'm sorry, uh, vice versa, fourteenth round in a twelve-team league, fifteenth round in a ten-team league. Right about there—that's what you're looking at. So basically free for a guy who has a good chance to be the number one wide receiver on his team and has flashed in the past. I know, I know. Everybody always wants to pick Devontae Parker as their sleeper, and everyone yawns and says, yeah, we'll wait and see. Look, Adam Gase is finally gone. O'Shea's a wide receivers coach from the Patriots. If someone's going to teach him the right way, if someone's going to give him discipline, if someone's going to be able to develop him, it's going to be O'Shea from that Patriots system. So that's why I think this is a great move by the Miami Dolphins part. I think they got guys in there who are perfect for where the Dolphins are at now, the type of talent they have and need to develop. And I think both offensively and defensively, the Dolphins I think are actually going to be better than the Jets and the Bills record-wise. So I know that's a hot take for a lot of people. A lot of people have the Bill have the excuse me the Dolphins being you know tanking for two O has always been the big thing. They're going to wind up being the worst team. I disagree with that wholeheartedly because I think they did a great job with the coaching staff, and those numbers are going to be there. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Mike Gusecki. He's another guy who did not get used in the Adam Gase system. Adam Gase, other than when he had Julius Thomas, really has not had a career of utilizing the tight end to begin with. But make no mistake, Mike Gusecki is a very good tight end. He can do a little bit of everything, but he's we haven't we didn't get to see what he could do as a pass catcher in his rookie year. Whether it's Fitzpatrick, whether it's Josh Rosen, I, you're coming in from a Patriots system that knows how to utilize the tight end I expect Mike Gesicki to have a decent year. Now, in a redraft league, I don't know if I'm drafting him. Like may- maybe if you're in a situation where you're one of those teams that you're going to wait until the final rounds, but I could I could maybe see you taking a shot there, but just because they're bringing the Patriots system where they utilize the tight end you're still gonna it's still not a position where you need to go out and get him. You don't need to reach on him. You could he's a guy who I would say in most instances I would feel more comfortable picking him up, but I do think there is a shot as a deep sleeper that he could wind up having a pretty good season and maybe competing for a top ten, top twelve tight end spot by the end of the year, if they are going to in fact utilize him the way they would like to utilize tight ends, I think. Uh, if given the opportunity to do so. And Mike Isiki does have that talent to be able to feature him in a pass-catching role and be able to utilize him in all aspects of the field. I think he's going to be a really good weapon for whoever's back there quarterback. I like him a little bit more if Josh Rosen's the quarterback over Fitzpatrick, especially earlier on in the season. But overall, I'm excited. I think there's nothing but positivity in this coaching move for Fantasy Impact for the Miami Dolphins, especially on their key offensive skill guys uh, that you're looking to draft going into this season i think they got a lot of sleepers on that team ready for you guys to be able to draft all right we're going to take another live break live read break right here on the other side we're going to finish up with our last team of this podcast which is the minnesota vikings wondering where the mds fantasy football show is available You can find the show on some of the most popular podcast medias like iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and many more popular podcast apps. Or go to the website, www.mdffshow.com, for the latest episodes. The Minnesota Vikings. Now, if you have not been following the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Twitter or on Facebook, especially on Twitter, you should, at MDFFshow on Twitter, because we have news updates, player news updates constantly coming out. Now that mini camps and OTAs are all here and we're getting into training camp and everything, there's been a ton of news from guys who have picked up a few injuries along the way to guys who are looking good, who's looking trimmer, who's looking fatter, who's excited, who seems like they need a lot more work. A lot of that has been going on, a lot of that news and I have been breaking that news to you on Twitter 24 7. It's completely free for you if you just go to my Twitter feed and follow at MC dff show click that that notifications on i promise you all i have on there is player news updates whenever i drop a new episode and once in a while when i retweet out another fellow podcast members episode that's come out which will be in the same light of football or fantasy football as well for you. So it's never just nonsense or something you don't care about or I'm not just blowing up your Twitter feed needlessly. If you're getting a lot of tweets from me, it's because I'm giving you a lot of good information. So make sure you are following me there. And the reason I bring that up right before I'm getting into the Minnesota Vikings here is because we had a nice little story that we broke out there today about Mike Zimmer coming out and saying how excited he is about how the new offense under Stefanski is coming along and how happy he is to see the changes from a season ago, which... Pretty much, if you're reading the tea leaves, essentially means that Kevin Stefanski is going to come in and do what he did the last three games of the season a year ago, which is he's going to predominantly try to run the football, pass second, control more of the clock, control more of the game, help the defense out, and help the defense get back up to its top tier form, which it does have the talent to be able to do so and should be performing like. They're not going to be a pass first, throw it down the field all the time like they were with John the Flippio calling plays. He's not going to be a guy who's going to have to yell out and pretty much blow a brain vessel in an interview after a game of why they're not running the football, screaming at him to do so, and trying to figure out why his offense coordinator essentially would just flat out ignore him and not listen. That's basically what went on a season ago. That is not going to be the case. Kevin Stefanski comes in. He's actually been there for a very long time. He spent 12 years as a position coach for the Vikings. And that's just on the offensive side of the ball. He's coached linebackers and defense alignment as well as running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks coach. He was a quarterbacks coach right before he got bumped up to be the interim offensive coordinator last year when they fired DeFopio. And if you, if you watched, if you kept up with the Vikings afterwards, if you were somehow in the playoffs and you had Dalvin Cook, all of a sudden you saw the spike in his production go up when Kevin Stefanski took over and the Vikings became a run first team and got back to basics for that offense which made everything else kind of fall into place to some degree. So, what does this mean? It means well, means great things for Dalvin Cook number 1. They also bring in Gary Kubiak to kind of come in and be an assistant offensive coordinator who's basically going to be there to make sure they are able to run that scheme as far as the run game goes, which is that zone blocking scheme one cut and go, which is perfect for Dalvin Cook, throwing the ball to the running back out of the backfield, really featuring the running back as your, off, as your main part of your offense, and then working off of that. That is what the Gary Kubiak signing means. They're going to make sure they're going to run that type of system, so that is what you can expect. It's going to be zone run, play action based, which is perfect for that team. they got guys like Stefan Diggs who can take the top off and run screens for you and take the bubble routes, and you got guys like Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph who can move the chains, and we get to see Possibly, I don't know what fantasy impact he's going to have in his first year, but Irv Smith Jr. right behind Kyle Rudolph now as another weapon that they're going to be able to utilize and may utilize more than we think because at the end of the day, the Vikings really don't have a go-to slot receiver uh, that you're going to feel it's going to make you feel super confident. I do think we are going to see quite a bit of two tight end formations, especially the Kubiak system, which is built to have two tight end formations a lot of the time anyway. So I think there's a decent chance you're going to see Ersman Jr. out there. It's not somebody who I'm going to draft in a redraft league this season. Uh, You're still going to have Kyle Rudolph in front of him. At best, he's still kind of working off of that and being an H-back. This isn't a a Patriots situation where they can hold two tight ends, I don't believe. Uh, Because you're still going to have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen who are going to be the number one and two targets, 1A and 1B, if you will, as far as the pass catchers down the field go. Uh, But I think bringing that type of offensive scheme and a run-first mentality is exactly what the Vikings need. One, Kirk Cousins is a much more effective quarterback when he's allowed to work off of play action. I don't know what they were doing last. I am a Kirk Cousins fan, but I will be the first one to tell you that Kirk Cousins is not built to throw the ball 40-50 to times a game as a shotgun, spread it out offense. He's not Tom Brady back there. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not that accurate on a consistent basis. He wants to throw the ball in the intermediate part of the field, somewhere between that 12 and 20, that wide intermediate field of the field, which is 12 and 20 yard range. That's particularly where he wants to be able to go. And they're built to do so if they're able to effectively utilize play action, which under this new offensive scheme with Stefanski and Kubiak, they are going to be able to do. Dalvin Cook. The only thing they can hold back Dalvin Cook is injury. That is it. Because between this scheme, between the the minor improvements they made along the offensive line, uh, as far as a talent perspective, they did the the big improvements they made there at offensive line wasn't so much talent. They got guys who fit that zone run blocking scheme. So between that, the fact that you got brought in guys who are known for utilizing the running back in fantasy. I don't see why Dalvin Cook wouldn't be used similar to how Kubiak wanted to use Arian Foster in that light, where he's running the football, catching the football all the time. We already know he has the ability to do that. So the only thing, the only thing that I believe can hold Dalvin Cook back from having a huge year in fantasy football is injury. And that's something you're going to have to take in consideration. But for this podcast, focusing on the coaching change, fantasy impact, It helps Dalvin Cook more than anybody on this offense. It helps everybody to some degree. To some degree. Uh, We'll talk about the receivers in a minute. But Dalvin Cook gets amplified tenfold in this new offense. Kirk Cousins, I believe, gets helped in the sense of he'll have a stronger finish to the season. Look, last year overall, Kirk Cousins still finished in the top ten. The thing was that he had such a great big fantasy start to the beginning of the last season and then towards the end just totally tapered off once teams started to figure them out when they became one-dimensional over to I believe he's going through the whole season where he might not give you those 400 yards uh, games. He might not give you those 350-yard games. He might only give you two or three 300-yard games, but That range of having 250 to 280 yards and getting you about two touchdowns a game, that is a very real possibility under this offense with the weapons that they have. Will Adam Thielen go nine games in a row or whatever the ridiculousness was out of 100 yards and a touchdown? Probably not. I don't think it has anything to do with the scheme other than that's just something that's very hard to do no matter what the situation is. So that's not necessarily a knock against the coaching scheme that all of a sudden Adam Thielen is going to uh, decrease his fantasy production from a season ago. It's just he's naturally from where he finished, how he started off the year, is just naturally going to have a decrease just based off of that. But he's still going to be featured in the game. He's still going to be moving in and out of the slot. They're not going to take that away from him. He's still going to be effective in that sense. And Stephon Diggs is still going to do Stephon Diggs things My big thing is that if they have play action They're able to effectively open that up That bomb that maybe Stephon Diggs wasn't able to get to consistently That maybe Kirk Cousins wasn't hitting because he wasn't in rhythm I think that's going to be there more often now We know in these types of systems That that number one and two outside receiver can get featured heavily Especially the number one guy Especially the guy who's breaking it big how many touchdowns he gets maybe that becomes a little bit more of a question mark because traditionally in that type of system that number one receiver doesn't usually get utilized in the red zone and being that you have adam thielen who will predominantly play on the other side being a bigger body wide receiver that just may be their go-to uh so you, i do think you can expect double digit touchdowns out of adam thielen for sure i'm not saying stefan Diggs can't get you double digit touchdowns because i definitely think he can uh but in this system, is something to try to kind of keep in mind where Stefan Diggs is going to probably have a lot of big weeks. Um, he's a little more consistent than most quote-unquote big play wide receivers just because of all the different things that he can kind of do on the field uh, and the way this offense has a lot of pieces to be able to move him around. But in this offense, I would say he's going to probably have a lot of bigger weeks and less... Less of them, less wide receiver one weeks, less wide receiver two weeks. Uh, as far as a consistent basis go th- goes than he did a year ago on this new offense, but he's going to have you those big Stefan Diggs weeks. He's a special wide receiver. This offense, I think, does nothing but positivity. I think they're going to score more at the end of the day, which is more opportunity for everyone. They're going to control the ball more, which should be, the offense should be on the field more, for more uh, opportunities for everyone as well. So, I really think this was a great hire by the Minnesota Vikings, and it complements both sides, because while they didn't make a change on the defense side of the ball, if their offense is more competent, which I fully expected to be under the system because that is what they fit everywhere on their team. That defense will probably get back up the snuff, and I would not be surprised if the Minnesota Vikings are able to jump back up into the top three of defense. Now remember, the their rookie Mike Hughes, Why I think is going to be an excellent corner in this league, got hurt a season ago, and it really hurt their backside of the corner that they thought they shored up when they drafted him in the first place. Um, uh, Their defense in general just had a Really bad year. Anthony Barr is going to get back up to snuff. The guy is too good not to get the pass rushing stats that you're used to seeing him get. Okay, they're going to get back to having shutdown, having a shutdown side. Harrison Smith had one, probably one of the worst years I've ever seen him have. I expect him to get back up to snuff as well. That that defense is too talented to underperform the way they did a season ago. And if that offense is able to get back to what it does best which I fully expected to be able to do in this system, that defense will also be able to get back to its best. So not only expect the Vikings just to be a good team in general, but there's nothing, nothing but positive impact with the type of scheme that they're going to be running for their offensive guys. There's going to be a lot of fantasy value everywhere on this Vikings team. I think Kirk Cousins is being overlooked quite a bit. Quite a bit. Everyone has him knocked off. He's like I think his ADP has him around quarterback sixteen at the moment. Uh, Kirk Cousins can put up big games. There's no reason, in my mind, I don't think from a talent standpoint, there's any difference between Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. Really, from a talent standpoint, I don't think there's a difference between the two of them. I really don't. It's all about system, opportunity. He has the weapons now. I think this year, unlike last year, he has the system to be able to help him out. Remember what Matt Ryan did under Kyle Shanahan's system? It might not be much different than Kirk Cousins under a very similar type of system to that with these weapons also playing in the Dome for most of the year as well. I think people are really looking over Kirk Cousins. I think he's somebody who you can draft. Kind of where people were trying to draft James Winston, although his ADP has been rising up. But that late round, that 14th, 15th, 16th round, if you want to wait to take a quarterback take Kirk Cousins. You are not going to be disappointed. I'm telling you right now, the system fits him perfectly, perfectly. All right. That's going to wrap up this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This was part one. Part 2, 3, and 4 are going to be coming out on each Monday of this month. So next Monday, the 17th, Part 2 will come out. I will announce what teams those will be on my Twitter feed, at Show or on Facebook. You can follow me there, also at Show on Facebook. So follow that to find out what teams I'm going to be talking about a week from now, next Monday. Remember, check out the website, www.mdffshow.com, for any latest news Uh Information I put on there, latest episodes. Of course, you can find this podcast on your favorite pod apps that you like to go to to listen: Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much anywhere uh, that people go to listen to podcasts. Now, the MD Finished Football Show is predominantly available. And also, don't forget. Also, don't forget to check out Overtime Heroics. Dot com. Register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. You can participate in the forums. You can get all of their great content. You can find you'll find me in the Redraft forums every single day. I'm posting there, answering people's questions putting out different questions to the people to make you guys think about things upcoming in this season and getting you prepared. You'll find me there and many other experts like me helping you guys out and talking to all of you. It's a lot of fun, so make sure you check that out, OvertimeHeroics.com. I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening.
1: The Home Depot. More saving, more doing.
2: Heat wave ahead! For four days only, it's the sizzling hot summer sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select home expressions bath towels, 2 for $7. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to 630. Exclusions apply. C store jcp.com for details. Go, go, go. Get enhanced security for your Wi Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go, go, go. go online, call 1 800 Xfinity, or visit today. Restrictions apply.